I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just watched Night of the Comet. Did you ever wonder what it would be like to be one of the last people on Earth? There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. What would you do? The burden of civilization is on us. Fiction, isn't it? The legal drinking age is now 10, but you will need ID. Let's be real. It's the Night of the Comet. The stars are up The night the teenagers ruled the world. Night of the Comet. Rated PG-13. Is true? That is this week's movie is 1984's Night of the Comet, and it was chosen by Miss Kia. It was. Sorry, I should have done this before. I was trying to look up something. Kia is now doing research. <laughs> <laughs> Kia, no. why, don't, why don't you why don't you kick us off with a little uh, description from the back of the Blu-ray of Night of the Comet? Sure. Oh, it's a long one too. <laughs> Well, this, this will be like best of the worst. You'll, you'll have to just oh. soldier through. Okay. <laughs> it's the first comet to buzz the planet in 65 million years, and everyone seems to be celebrating its imminent arrival. Everyone, that is, except Regina Belmont and her younger sister, Samantha, two valley girls who care more about fashion trends than the celestial phenomenon. But upon daybreak, when the girls discover that they're the only residents of Los Angeles whom the comet hasn't vaporized or turned into a zombie, they do what all good valley girls do. They go shopping. But when their day of mailing, mauling, oh, okay. But when their day of mauling threatens to become a day of mauling. Oh, like M-A-U-L. Yeah. Yeah. These gals flee with killer zombies and blood-seeking scientists in hot pursuit. Does it in the there? End. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, it's pretty... And there's a nice little quote on the back from Variety that says, Night of the Living Dead meets Valley Girl in this entertaining, tongue-in-cheek pastiche of numerous science fiction films. Mm. So I thought that's a good, because it's definitely a mashup of a lot of stuff. So yeah. I think that's a good Stuff that was quote. big in the early 80s yeah. slash mid-80s. Yeah. Uh, Kia, this was your choice. Let's double down and have you explain to us why you chose it. Well, I chose it because when we saw it, we saw it like sometime last year, I think. And I think it's one of those movies that we had both heard of throughout mm-hmm. our lives but hadn't seen. And I think what happened is we stumbled upon a scene and we thought, oh, that's interesting. We should watch this for real eventually. Mm-hmm. And we watched it and we really liked it. And so I thought it would be good for the... Um, the podcast. Yeah, I think it was a. It was on Prime at the time, is where we saw it. Jeff, where did you uh, watch this? On uh, Pluto. Pluto. TV. Okay. Yeah. So if you have Pluto, which I think is a free streaming service, um, yep. you can check this movie out. Jeff, why don't you kick us off with your general thoughts of the film? Mm. Well, actually, when Kia was just reading the description, the description like refers to them as like Valley Girls and stuff, but like most. Most of this movie takes place downtown, and uh, they do show they show their house. But I, I mean, I, I mean, I guess they're not gonna. They they didn't say exactly where they lived, but I was like, wow, they they got to from downtown to the valley like super fast. <laughs> but then again, there's no traffic because no everyone's traffic. dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was it's a it's a fun '80s movie. It's a, I like that it's not super scary or gory or anything it's just a it's a fun movie you know uh 
yeah, it's a good time. Yeah, it's almost uh, a little bit of a precursor to something like Bill and Ted in some ways, right? Because it's kind of like yeah. a, a duo that has like their own lingo and slang and everything kind of thrust into like an otherworldly situation. And it's not done in like a traditional survivalist movie where it's like last person on earth type of right. situation. So, Yeah, there's zombies in it, but they're few and far between. There's yeah. not very many of them. So, <laughs> Yeah, the but, comet uh, turned most people to dust, but then yeah. some people were lucky enough to kind of survive slash just be affected by whatever the phenomenon is and slowly degenerate into zombies. And yeah. well, that does it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was night of the comic. <laughs> it's funny. Like when, uh, I think I may have heard of this movie through red letter media. So I think I had it in my mind that it was going to be kind of best of the worst style, like mm. low budget, you know, but it's actually pretty well done. I mean, it's, uh, the budget isn't super low. Like they were able to block off traffic downtown and <laughs> Well, uh, actually in the um we have the Blu-ray, the Shout Factory Blu-ray, and they had some interviews with the the two main leads played by Catherine Mary Stewart and Kelly Maroney. And one of them said, I think it was the the lady that plays Ray, uh, Regina, that they actually filmed those scenes Christmas morning. Because oh. they couldn't afford to block off anything. So they said sometimes, you know, if there was someone out there washing windows, they would just have to reshoot because. Or like reposition altogether because they, re- they didn't have the authority to be like, hey, get down from there. Well, like, no authority yeah. and yeah. no CGI. Right. So they just. Did so, yeah. So apparently yeah. Christmas morning in L.A. is a dead zone. Mm. <laughs> like, well, at least wow. in the early 80s. It may not be now. <laughs> in the early but, 80s. Yeah. yeah. So That's I thought that was pretty cool because. When I watched it, I was always wondering, like, yeah, did they, were people trying to go to work that day? And they're like, crap, I can't go to work because they're doing some movie. But well, they're just home celebrating Christmas, I guess. And they, they were, they did have enough of a budget to have some police presence to help them block off some traffic. Because um, there's that dream sequence that um, the cheerleader has. I forgot her character name off the top of my head. It's uh, Sam. Sam has like a little dream sequence where like some police officers pull her over and then the police officers end up being zombies. And apparently like some of that was the actual police that they had on the set to help, you know, like keep, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously not every shot of it, but a lot of it was just them doubling and everything. So, Sure. Well, I mean, I think it kind of kicks off kind of, in my opinion, Independence Day-like, where there's a comet, except there's not aliens. There's word that there's a comet coming. It hasn't Mm. been there in a long time. And so most people, well, pretty much everyone, is excited. They're celebrating. They're having parties. And so they're out and about doing their... There's no indication that this is going to be a threatening yeah, I think most people think it's going to be like a viewing party, almost yeah. like how a couple of years ago when there was that eclipse and, you know, people were real excited about it and um, sitting outside because it was supposedly, or it did actually get kind of dark uh, oh, yeah, in yeah. the middle of the day. Um, yeah, we could have all been turned to dust. And yeah, we it could have been, been like... a night of the comet <laughs> phenomenon for all we know. So, yeah. So they're celebrating and um, I guess the comet comes and everyone, most people turn to dust. Mm. Red dust, other people don't. They just get affected where they kind of slowly disintegrate. Is that the word? I think degenerate. Degenerate into zombies. But apparently if you were in, I guess, a 
a steel room. Is that how it went? Yeah, I think just a heavily fortified a heavily room fortified in general. Room. You were safe because there were people that were clearly in their homes that got turned to dust because mm. it showed like a that happened to a dog in the middle of the living room. But some people were our main characters, for example, they were elsewhere yeah. in protected rooms. So they didn't get affected by the comet. Yeah, and I feel like it's kind of implied but never stated that the people that are zombies are people kind of like in between that maybe were inside some kind of internal room uh, or like, you know, there's a, one of the first zombie attacks. It looks like maybe a homeless guy. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe he was inside of a dumpster or something and that's what protected him. Um, I don't know. Like I'm just kind of he theorizing. Looked, I don't know. It is kind of funny how much he looked like Tyrone Biggums from Chappelle show. Oh like shit! Kind of like <laughs> outfit on and everything. <laughs> yeah, really, like the the knit hat and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that was something I I couldn't help but note too is that uh, you know there's that stereotype that uh, it's like the black guy gets killed first <laughs> in a horror movie. This one subverts your expectations because it's a black man kills a white man. As you know, he does the first killing in the movie. So, yeah. boom, <laughs> there you go, Night of the Comet. Like before the comet comes, everyone's excited and like uh, we're introduced to like the girl's mom and oh yeah, stepmom, like, <laughs> stepmom, yeah, and she's like openly cheating on her husband apparently. Yeah. Like she doesn't have any, she doesn't care, and like her kids are both like you know, we're gonna tell dad that you're cheating on him with this other guy. She's like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing was like, it's one of those things where I, I was like, I bet this woman is probably my age now. Like, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, we, I feel like I do that every time I see a movie where it's like, this person looks old. Oh, they're probably my age. <laughs> so I looked her up and she was like 44. So pretty close. Yeah. Getting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's been a couple but, times though, where, where I, I'm convinced someone is older than me and I look it up and they're like, you know, in their mid thirties or something. And I was like, Oh, yeah. good grief. Yeah. That happens with twi twilight zone a lot. Oh yeah. Oh for sure. God. The twilight zone is hilarious because <laughs> it'll be someone who is clearly 50 and Rod Serling mm -hmm. will be like, this is John Smith 35. And it's like, what? <laughs> that was one of my biggest pet peeves. I like the twilight zone, but every time that happened, I'm like, why? Do they just not want to acknowledge that they're in their 50s? It was just really weird. It was, it was kind of odd that they wouldn't just say so-and-so 41 instead yeah. of 35, just to kind of make it where you don't jump out of the story immediately. But, you know, it's a different yeah. era, and people maybe looked a little older. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, nowadays uh, we have – it's all in HD, so we can see all the lines and wrinkles true. and stuff now. Back That's very true. Um, lower five, but going back to that scene with a stepmother, I thought it was because when we're introduced to, okay, so we're introduced to the, the, the older sister, she's older by like a year. Cause I yeah. think she's a senior and her younger sister mentions being a junior or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're introduced to Rachel. She's, uh, Usher. This is Reggie. Uh, Reggie. Why do I keep yeah. saying Rachel? Mm. Yeah. Reggie or Regina. Mm. Um, she's an Usher at a movie theater and she's obsessed with playing a video game and beating and beating everyone's high scores yeah. and everything. And one, I thought that was cool because I thought she was an extremely attractive girl, very almost looks like a model, but yet she's playing a video game. And then she ends up talking about like Superman. So we've already kind of established that this hot chick is kind of nerdy, which I think is cool. Cause I don't think you see that a lot yeah. in these movies. And then her sister is like this blonde cheerleader who's ditzy, but also funny 
and the scene with her stepmother when she's confronting her, her stepmother slaps her, and then she immediately slaps her back, and then the stepmother punches her in the face, and I, I just <laughs> like a was haymaker, going, not, not yeah, even like a yeah. They're at a party. There's tons of people around, and I just thought that was interesting. I I don't feel like you see that very mm. much between two ladies and between a stepmom and a daughter just. She punched her in the face and just went about her business. And the daughter went about hers. She was like, oh, yeah, well. She got she, me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and like the later scene, she says, dad's going to be upset because she messed up my teeth or something like that. It was just very, like, I don't really care what's happening. Um, the, both of the girls, I feel like, had that um, attitude. The world is ending. and They take it seriously. Right. But they don't cry. Um, they don't whine. They just kind of, they just handle their business, which well, I think is pretty cool. And that's what I think, you know, going back to the description where they call them valley girls, I, I feel like, again, another brief window, that was more a descriptor for like a certain type of lingo and like an attitude more right. than like the literal sense of them living in the valley, yeah. uh, you know, because it was shorthand back in the day for like, again, kind of characters like Bill and Ted or something like that. It's like, if you say valley girl, you know, oh, these are like... You know, young, these are like teenage girls that have a lingo and, you know, as if and, and all that stuff, you know, that kind of carried into like the early 90s, I guess. It was kind of a thing. And uh, I think there's some people that carry over from Valley Girl, right? Is it? I think some of the producers that did Valley Girl did this movie. Because yeah. in the movie theater, there's a poster, a Valley Girl poster on the wall. And I think mm. they came out the same year. Pretty close, yeah. So, yeah, so they probably kind of want that connection in there. It was like a weird selling point at the time, I guess. Um, if you liked Valley Girl, you would love <laughs> Night of the Comet. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, it's basically a, ma what Kia mentioned earlier, like a mashup, and, it's, and it is very much like, hey, well, let's take these characters from Valley Girl that talked a certain way and, you know, mm -hmm. had this persona and loved being at the mall and everything. Let's throw them in this horror movie, mm -hmm. you know, and have fun with it. And I think they oh. totally succeed on that level. There was one, yeah. um, the direct, I think it was the director, there was a, a blurb on Wikipedia, I think it was, with an interview with him, um, and he was saying how when he talked to these two women, these the, the actresses back then, he was asking them how would, you know, how would they handle the apocalypse, and they kind mm. of answered, they kind of, their answers implied that they would, it would be like an adventure for them, and they only got upset and down when he asked them about dating in the apocalypse. Oh, right. So I just thought that was really... <laughs> Very interesting. Like, the apocalypse is something they could totally handle, but, like, dating is, like, uh, it's the worst. <laughs> but, but, yeah. You know, for, like, a teenager, it would be kind of a fantasy on some levels. You know, when you're a jaded kid and you think of, oh, if I was, like, the only person around, I could go and you know, like steal a car and go to the mall and play all the video games and eat whatever I want and stay up as late as I want and read all the comics. I mean, you know, you'd have this like checklist of things and it'd be really yeah. fun for like 48 hours and then it would kind of <laughs> sink in probably like, oh, like all these yeah. people I cared about aren't here anymore and, you know, that sort of thing, um, which they never yeah. quite get there with this movie, by the way. Like, I, I don't feel like there's ever really a moment. It's not the tone of the movie, though, where yeah. these characters go, you know, my dad's dead, you know, it's very sad. Like for yeah. the most part, they, you know, are having fun. And, yeah. but again, it would be kind of odd tonally to, to put a scene like that in where they're like, 
Reggie, don't you well, care about dad? Like that type of well, thing. Well, about their know? dad. Their dad is off in the Congo somewhere. He does something, mm. and that's military kind of guy or military, something. and that kind of explains why they're really tough. They they know how to mm. handle guns and things. But the the male main actor, which is it, Robert Beltran? Yeah. There's an interview with him as a bonus feature, and there's a scene where Hector goes back to his house, and he said the directors or whoever wanted him to have a breakdown when he finds everyone's <laughs> dead. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that because this has already been a thing that's been going on for a while. Hector would have already accepted that his family is gone, and that would have taken away from the way this movie is. This movie is not one of those scenes where someone has an emotional, serious breakdown. And I think he's I thought he was he really was right. smart to, to do that because, yeah, again, if, if there had been a moment where he, like, you know, like, my mom is dead, and he, like, you know, <laughs> slams his fist into a mirror or something, it would have been a little, like, okay, dude, like, and, I mean, it was enough that he cared enough to go back and check. I think yeah. that was enough that said, you know, that, like, he cares, but, yeah. yeah, like, he has accepted that they're some of the last people literally on the planet, so, yeah. He also talked about Jeff in the, um, the interview with Beltran, uh, that uh, originally the character was written as more of a stereotypical cholo type. He was the one that kind of reeled that in and said, you know, I think it'd be more fun if he was like kind of an everyman and everyone could kind of relate to him and he just happens to be like Chicano or whatever yeah. and it's not some right. big, you know, statement or anything. And it weirdly kind of becomes a statement because, you know, in that era, I guess there weren't that many parts, you know, <laughs> for like a Mexican-American or whatever. So I thought it was kind of interesting that they... Wanted him enough to be like, yes, we will t- totally rewrite well, yeah, this part was, for you. Because uh, Craig pointed out that he was top build, even though yeah. he, the girls, are really the main characters, and we didn't understand that. But then we found out that he was Raul in Eating Raul, which I've never seen, but it's a movie I've heard of. Mm. So, and apparently was a big deal, and they really wanted him to be just like his character in Eating Raul, apparently. He yeah, was, he like, was well, a titular I character in Eating I don't want to play the same thing. So it was his idea to play it the way he did, and I, and I do think it, it works because as a minority in a horror movie or sci-fi movie, one, it's rare, and two, it's rare to just not be a stereotype, mm-hmm. and yeah. he wasn't, um, and he got to survive. <laughs> Spoiler. Yes. No. Sorry. No, no, no. Not sorry. <laughs> But um, we're introduced to Hector. They they make their way to a radio station. Mm-hmm. And I think that I really like the radio station because it was all dark with neon colors. And it just mm. looked. It's the type it of thing cool that, thing. like, uh, people making a movie set in the 80s now, like, that was, like, literally what they would try to do <laughs> is, like, oh, it's yeah. got to look like that, 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 that scene in Eye of the Comet. Um, I thought of that ex- exact same thing when I was watching it. Like, this radio station is so stereotypically 80s that if, if, if this was in a movie now that was set in the 80s, I'd be like, that's so over the Too top. much, yeah. that 80s back then, but it totally did. <laughs> Yeah, and that's a kind of a cool scene, too, because, like, everything's automated. Because I think they go to the radio station thinking, oh, there's, like, a DJ that's still alive and maybe doesn't realize the world has ended because he <laughs> keeps broadcasting. But then they just see that it's all, you know, machinery and everything mm. uh, running it. Which, coincidentally, again, it's not this type of movie, but uh, electricity seems to keep running perpetually. The water <laughs> keeps running. They yeah. don't run any into any of the logistical problems that you probably would run into pretty quickly um, in a scenario well, like this. Well, I mean, it's only been like a day. Yeah. Um, and I guess you could argue the comet could have ruined 
maybe you should have messed up something. Maybe it only but, ru- uh, ruined organic life form and know. stuff. Yeah. Like mostly machinery and all that stuff is pretty okay to go. But hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, they, they even noted that like dogs and stuff disappeared and birds, yeah. you know, because there's like a parakeet cage that's uh, empty in oh, Hector's yeah. house. Because he knocks it over and I was like, is there a bird in there? <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, no, I never thought that the bird is dust, yeah, red like, dust. Um, and they do a pretty good job with that. You don't really see like, uh, you know, birds in the, dis- you know, in the scenes and everything. Like it's very desolate. I mean, it's, they really knocked out pretty much every organic life form, it seems like. Um, which leads to a whole nother host of problems if, the, if these characters survive long term. Uh, like what, what are they eating? You know, at a certain point, <laughs> but. Maybe the grocery yeah, it's almost like a uh, walking dead in a way. Uh. It's like a. It's like an mm. 80s version of Walking Dead. Mm. <laughs> it is, it's very apocalyptic, even though it's just, you know, on the surface, just a fun, uh, yeah. fun movie. Yeah. But yeah, and then counter to uh, the, the survivors that we're talking about, Regina, Hector, and Sam, there is um, the think tank. There, there's a group of survivors that have holed up in a facility underground, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like the Dharma initiative in Lost, like kind of a... Yeah. You know, just a group of scientists and security and stuff like that, that I guess had predicted that this comet would actually affect people the way that mm-hmm. it did. And they're kind of hunting the survivors and there's kind of a a clash between those two. Uh, yeah, I forgot why they're, they're hunting the survivors to get their blood. Because, yeah. because in this facility, the scientists, even though they suspected this might go wrong, they apparently left some vents open. Yeah. <laughs> So they still got affected by the comet, but they're, so they're slowly degenerating. Um, and they figure that if we find these survivors and take their blood that can, I guess, cure us. Yeah. They can make like some kind of vaccine or some kind of formula or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then also in the mall where they meet the, uh, the The stock kids. Yeah. I think a really (laughs) fun, a great sequence, a really fun scene that made me think of mannequin, this movie mannequin, um, they go shopping. They in the midst of this apocalypse. The, the older sister is like, "Do you have your Mastercard? You don't need it because everything's <laughs> free." So they go shopping, and it it plays. Girls just want to have fun, and they're just trying on clothes, and um, it looks like a teenager's dream. Like you were saying, it's mm. the apocalypse. Everyone's gone, but we have the mall to ourselves. Like this is <laughs> this is this amazing. is where they would want to hang out yeah. if things were normal. So yeah. now they get the full run of it. So I totally get yeah. why that would be a fun thing to do. Yeah. And then there's these really creepy punks that also hid out somewhere and they survived. And there's always just got to be a group of people that just brings it down. Mm. So they yeah, just straight up try to murder them with like yeah. machine guns. Yeah. <laughs> Willie Willy and his, his group of uh, stock boys at the mall, they, they're yeah. very prepared for someone to show up. It's also funny how everyone ends up with Uzis. Like, like a, an Uzi store, they're like, hey, we should go get some guns before, like, now that the apocalypse has happened, let's go uh, get some Uzis. I feel like the Uzi was, like, the badass gun of the 80s, though. Like, that was oh, the thing sure. that, you know, because I remember even having a toys, like, squirt guns and stuff that look yeah. like Uzis. And, you know, I guess because it looks pistol-sized, but it packs, like, a machine gun power yeah. that was very glamorous at the time. It's also funny. I think there was a line where one of the girls said something like, Dad would have gotten us Uzis. I was like, aren't those Uzis? Those, yeah. That's totally what I imagine when I think of an Uzi. Well, like, but. they talked about that in the bonus, too. And I forgot if they were Uzis or Mac-10s or Mach-10s. Yeah, the Mac-10 is yeah, what they I, were shooting. They were shooting, and those are the ones that jammed? Yeah. Okay, so their story was that 
they did want the Uzis instead of the Mach 10s because the Mach 10s jammed all the time and they kept having to cut. And they, she, she said the director told her if it cuts one more time, we're, or if it jams one more time, we're not cutting, just roll with it. So when it actually jams in the movie and they keep talking, apparently that was all um, ad-libbed. ad-libbed. Mm. Like even when the, oh. she says dad would have gotten his Uzis and the other sister says, well, the car didn't seem to know the difference because right. they were shooting a car. That was like all ad lib just because. <laughs> yeah. it, so I thought so, that was really cool. But yeah, we've kind of, we've almost broached the whole thing, right? I mean, the, the think tank almost eventually right. catches up with, uh, yeah. with the sisters. Uh, they take one, Regina, because she's considered viable to them to make the serum or whatever. And they leave uh, Sam because they think uh, that she's showing symptoms of degenerating. She keeps scratching her neck. She has a, a rash. Mm-hmm. And so I guess they, they imply that she was affected and mm-hmm. she's slowly turning. Yeah. Um, but the reality is... I don't know is, if that's true or not. No, it's it wasn't true. true. Yeah. The, uh, the one uh, think tank scientist, uh, the other lady that was mm-hmm. from Eating Raul and yeah. Chopping Mall... Uh, she stays behind and she basically saves Sam by, yeah. by pretending that she is affected. I think yeah. she gives her the blood test, realizes, oh, she is normal yeah. and she's going to survive. But like, I'll save her by not subjecting her to going back to the think tank yeah. or whatever. Because I think she's realized that the think tank, you know, it's going down and there's really nothing they can do to save it. Yeah. So she gives her something that makes it look like she died so right. she can protect her. Um, and that, yeah, that lady that plays Sam, Kelly Maroney, and the, the think tank lady, mm-hmm. they were in shop, Chopping Mall together, yeah. which I guess was two years, 1986. No scenes together, but I just think, I always think it's cool when actors are in multiple movies together. Yeah, little links. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do think the only thing, you know, you guys can watch the movie and see it play out. I think we've kind of described enough of it to kind of let people, yeah. you know. But uh, one, one great punch out, though, uh, and this is spoiler territory, is at the very end of the film, uh, we're introduced to the character that had the high score, oh, yeah. <laughs> the sixth high score on uh, Tempest or whatever, because he has a personalized plate that reveals yeah. like, oh, that's his yeah. initials There's from the name, arcade game. It's, his name is DMK, I yeah. think. And she's yeah. like, oh, no. And so she <laughs> comes back and she plays the game and she beats him and she's like, take that DMK. Yeah. And then at the very end, it's on his license plate. And it's like, yeah. oh, he's good. one of the survivors. He's yeah. Good. yeah. <laughs> So does that imply that he had that car before the apocalypse, if he had a, a personalized plate made for it? I think so. <laughs> what, what's funny is he mentions that he has like 20-some-odd cars like it, and I yeah. thought that meant, oh, he's been, you know, during all this, I guess it's been months or whatever, he's been like playing around, stealing cars. <laughs> yeah. But I, I wonder if he is just like a rich dude that like bunkered up, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and the reality is that he just has access to all this stuff because he's a rich kid or something, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. Um, they definitely leave that up to our imaginations, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess he could have taken the the license plate off of his old car and put it on. That's a great a point. Or whatever. <laughs> kind of oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was just like an arcade nerd, and he was all like, "People will know DMK," you know, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, just later moved it to the cool car. It's like I'm taking this car, but I'm making it my own. I'm take my <laughs> old license plate. <laughs> Also, like the we're also introduced to like two kids that the think tank people have, yeah. Like uh, taken anyway. They, uh, I was looking it up, and the the little girl uh, is like a very uh, I don't know. Famous is the right word, but she's a she's she works a lot as a voice actor. Like oh. she's been in wow. a lot of 
like voices for cartoons like Captain Planet and the Karate Kid TV cartoon show and wow. Young Justice and stuff like that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and also, the the director also went on to direct the movie Captain Ron, which I grew up watching oh. on that a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so crazy to to watch some of these guys' careers. Uh, you know, they'll have like a big movie or a cult movie, and then just watching the trajectory of their careers and. Uh, it's weird. Some people, they seem to get like one or two shots and that's it. And other people, they, they can just fall, fail upwards and there's yeah. no real, mm-hmm. I guess it's just the difference between people that know how to network and people that kind of, you know, maybe just ride on their talent alone and they can't quite, you know, make, make that happen again and again. Um, cause I, I mean, I would think Nia the Comet would write your way for quite a while. Um, cause it got really good reviews and it gained a cult status pretty quickly. Um, but no, if you, if you look at the director's resume, it's, you know, pretty lackluster after uh, Captain Ron. I think it's kind of, I think Honey, I Blew Up the Kids is one of his movies. Um, you call that lackluster? Well, the third in the, <laughs> in the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series, maybe a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, the, uh, also, one of the stock boy, <laughs> this is only relevant to me probably, but uh, I, I like the movie Repo Man a lot. And uh, one of the stock boy uh, punks or whatever is Dick Rude, uh, who is a player for Repo Man director Alex Cox. Uh, like he's in Repo Man as well. And I think he's in a couple of other like Sid and Nancy and mm. some other Alex Cox movies. Um, so it was just it was just funny when I was watching the credits. I saw Dick Rude in there. and I was <laughs> like, what? Like Dick Rude was in this movie? Because I, I don't I barely know what he looks like. Um, so I don't think I, I recognized him in the punks or whatever. But uh <laughs> I that was kind of neat. I did have one other bit of trivia I thought you would be interested in, Kia. Oh, is uh, you, you might, And you might already know this, but I'm going to s- steal your thunder. <laughs> is uh, Heather Langenkamp. Oh, yeah. From, you did know this? Yeah, I told you that when I looked it up. Well, I probably was just <laughs> mesmerized by Nia the Comet. Um, but yeah, she from Friday, uh, I almost said Friday 13th. Oh, no. Heather Langenkamp. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. And Just the Ten of Us. And Dream Warriors. And uh, she auditioned for the role of Samantha Belmont. Mm-hmm. Uh, which it would have been weird to see her play like a ditzy cheerleader type yeah, character. Yeah, I don't buy it. Because even in Just the Ten... I don't know if you're familiar with Just the Ten of Us. It's like maybe one of the original TGIF shows from back in the day. But mm. um, I think she was always kind of nerdy... You know, right? So well-to-do good type girl, kid. Yeah. yeah. So I would not have, you know, she, that would have been a big year for her. Nightmare on Elm Street and Find the Comet. She can't <laughs> have it all. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I definitely liked how Kelly Maroney, the actress, played her. She was just really fun. Yeah, um, I, I'll say like uh, I loved the whole cast. I mean, I thought everybody mm-hmm. was really good, in the, and to include, um, oh, what's his name? Um, I gotta look it up real quick. Uh, Jeffrey Lewis, right, mm-hmm. as like kind of the the main think tank doctor. I thought he was really cool, like uh, like Jeffrey his mannerisms. Lewis is in case people don't know. Oh, the father of Juliet Lewis. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which he, he has was, to remind me of that every time, just because I just don't. I, and I don't. They see don't look. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But he was like a big Clint Eastwood guy. I think he's mm-hmm. a lot in a lot of like Clint Eastwood seventies movies, and he kind of pops up in. Uh, genre movies later in his career because I think he became a Rob Zombie player as well yeah. um, but uh, and he passed away recently I think two mm. or three years ago but uh, yeah I, li- I like everybody top to bottom and uh, I'm Jeff you did you watch Voyager Star Trek Voyager uh, a little bit I was actually yeah. about to 
I was going to say that at one point. Yeah, because uh, you know Beltron was was a, a major character. Uh, uh, Chokate, I think, was his name in Voyager. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like a commander, like second in command. Uh, and little uh, lines painted on his forehead. Yeah, he had like a cool <laughs> tattoo type thing on his head. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like it's, it was definitely kind of cool to see him kind of pop up younger. I never seen him a little younger. So because yeah. I also haven't seen Eating Rival, even though I've heard of it mm-hmm. my whole life. I think I it's on like. HBO Max. Really? Mm-hmm. Might have to check it out sometime to see what what all the fuss is about. Any other comments about yes. the movie? I have some fun trivia okay. and not trivia, but just facts. Observations. So one, it has a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. Um, Wikipedia said it had a budget of 700000 and it made $14.4 million in the U.S. So that's pretty good. Damn, that's weird that they call it a cult classic because that seems like a pretty big box office yeah. success. I don't know. And in, that, one of the, in those bonus features on the Blu-ray, they show a lot of um, pictures of newspaper write-ups when the movie came out and it got high praise and... It was well-received at the time. Mm. Um, I thought it was interesting that the people turn into red dust in the movie theater. There's a shot where one of the employees is going out the door, and I think that's when he gets attacked by one of the, the zombies. Um, and there's a poster of a movie called Red Dust with um, um, Gene Harlow and... Um, Clark Gable. Clark Gable, which I thought was cool because Craig and I had actually watched that movie. We've <laughs> been going through a lot of old... Turner Classic movies, and and um, so I thought that was cool. Maybe someone watched the movie, saw that poster, and went, hmm, yeah. and watched the movie. Title title fits in very well with yeah. the scenario. So the the main characters Regina and Sam apparently inspired Joss Whedon in creating the Buffy character. Which when I learned that and went back and watched the movie, I could totally see that, especially in the cheerleader, just because obviously Buffy was a cheerleader. She's blonde. It's not ditzy, but she had some teenage moments where mm. she was just kind of silly but then also definitely in Regina because she also has a serious tough side to her too so I just thought that was when I found that out I just thought that was absolutely amazing that this movie that I liked inspired this character that I love and I just that is fantastic well, to me it's also t- like there are characters that you underestimate because of their appearance, their appearance right? Yeah. Like you think that they're, you know, going to be pushovers, but they end up being actually formidable and know yeah. how to take care of themselves. So, yeah, I never remember. There was some story and I forgot who told it, but, um, it was, I think an actor or someone who was in Buffy or someone who liked Buffy that was in a car or having an interaction with a, someone that was in a Marvel movie during like a comic con type of event. And that person, that actor from the Marvel movie, for some reason in my head, I always think it's Samuel L. Jackson. I don't know if that's true. Hmm. It just seems like something he would do, but they, they commented that they just thought Buffy was silly and they didn't buy it because she was such a little girl. And I'm like, Mm. I mean, do you think half the people or any of the people in the Marvel movies could do what they do? I mean, right. I mean, it's weird how people's suspension and disbelief works where they can, they can buy Tom Cruise can be a badass (laughs) when he's like five foot three. (laughs) <laughs> and but like yeah like uh, a lady could never under any circumstances yeah. kick the shit out of a dude and it's like uh, it, trust me it could happen it, 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 if things line up properly it can happen so you know and the last bit of trivia that I just saw and it's from some articles from 2018 and 2019 so hopefully it won't happen but they said a reboot is in the works mm. I think anything with name value is is <sighs> has something in the works but like whether it actually happens or not is. Yeah, you know, maybe the question, but I hope not. Uh, 
I'd rather see a belated sequel. I think it'd be kind of fun to, to see these characters well, one of the, in late middle age. The you Robert know. Beltran in his interview said he wants to talk to the director about a sequel. I think he was joking. Right. But the way it ends, they could totally have a sequel. Yeah. Um, this like new nuclear family, <laughs> you know, how, how, what are they like 30 years on? Yeah. You know, it could be kind of fun. <laughs> really quickly, uh, I did open up the floor to questions. Uh, and one does tie in with this. Um, a listener is uh, at Mike Copeland 395 on Twitter. Uh, he asks us, it's kind of a philosophical question, so it might be kind of hard to navigate, but I thought we'd give it a shot. Tying in with nine of the comment, is there a line for need versus greed when it comes to, to the apocalypse? Need versus greed. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's kind of asking in a way like how we would navigate a zombie apocalypse or like an apocalyptic moment like this. Nine of the comment. Greed. Yeah, like what, what type of person would we be maybe mm. if this actually went down? I think a good indicator is how we handled the beginnings of coronavirus Mm. because there were a lot of people that immediately went to greed and that's why grocery stores were completely devastated. And if people had just bought their normal groceries like they normally did, everything would have been totally fine. Mm. But then because people were doing that, when I went to the grocery store, I felt, okay, I should stock up on stuff because this is what we're doing now. Mm. Um, But I never stocked up too much. I would never like go to the grocery store and get like five packs of toilet tissue, but I would make sure I never even got close to running out of toilet, if that makes Mm. sense. So maybe every paranoid kind of, yes, maybe every two or three trips, I would just go ahead and get another pack, but I wouldn't get like five packs at once. So I think there are some people that immediately just freaked out and just, became greedy. No, there's like those reports of people buying out like a literal store as soon as they got yeah. a shipment, that type of thing. Immediately. You know? <laughs> like the shit hadn't even really hit the fan yet. It was right. just immediately. So I would like to think that I would be a need person, but cautious, I, a cautious person. Yeah. But I think at some point I would end up responding or I would end up anticipating that other people are going to do bad things and that would make me be on guard Mm. and not make me a greedy person, hopefully, but a more cautious person. Right. For sure. So I don't know. I would like to think though, that I would still be a decent person. Fall on the need instead of the greed. And the need. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, any thoughts? Um, well, for me, I would, uh, probably be more of a, a need person just because like, you know, like he was saying with the coronavirus, I, I just kept thinking like, everyone's buying all the toilet paper. They're going to restock it. Like this is <laughs> going to blow over. Like I would be one of those people. Cause like when we had that flood in Nashville, like 10 or more years ago, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it was raining and seeing it on the news that like, Oh, there it's flooding. And I was like, eh, it never floods here. It'll be fine <laughs> until it actually like <laughs> the, the water rose to a level where I was like, Oh wait, maybe I should have <laughs> taken a little more precaution and taken this more seriously. Um, so yeah, I would probably be like this, this will blow over. People are freaking out about the zombie thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, not in the comment scenario. I just, I think I would be a little bit, even though at my advanced age, I'd be a little bit like the characters in this movie where it'd be kind of like, well, I'll just have fun. Like, like, I think that would be my first. Because you don't have anyone to compete with. Yeah. I think that would be my first instinct would be to if everything was still running would be to go 
like Omega Man style and go to the movie theater and watch movies and, you know, like maybe go yeah. to a pizza shop and make a massive pizza or, yeah. you know, I would do those things for like a good solid week or two probably before I started, yeah. you know, it sinking in that, oh, I got to prepare for a long term. Yeah, uh, I would almost prefer that most people turn to dust because it would just make yeah. things easier. Seems like it. Yeah, yeah. It's like... Uh, it's like that show Last Man on Earth, that Will Forte show. I Did never watched watch that? that. No, I never. So I always heard really good things. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> just like the stuff that he does is so funny. Like he uses a swimming pool as a toilet, basically. Mm. <laughs> like, he like just does like all the craziest <laughs> stuff that he wants to do. Like he he drives a tank to the to the grocery store and stuff. Like, just uh, I think there's even an episode where he's driving the the Back to the Future. Uh, DeLorean time machine around. <laughs> Thank you, Mike, for that com- that question. We did have another one. This is uh, from our friend. Um, this is from our friend uh, Silent Bobo Thirty Seven. Mm-hmm. This is Irish Mike Mark. Oh. Um, he uh, asked what we were looking forward to this year: horror-related oh. movies or books. Ooh. Now, now some of this is like what we usually cover in what's making us scared. So save your ammunition if we're, you know, if it's something that you're going to broach in that segment. Because one of mine is, so Mark, just stay tuned for what's making us scared. And that'll be my upcoming horror related thing that I'm looking forward to in 2021. I was, well, I was going to say there's a, they rescheduled Monster Palooza for May this year, but they could still cancel it again. But, uh. Mm. I was thinking I might go out, and visit my buddy, and go to that that weekend if it's still happening. Yeah. Uh, last time I checked, they it was still up there, but um, that would they be might, cool if that was still going on. Maybe <laughs> I, I I wonder if you know maybe early summer stuff will will happen because of the vaccine and you know maybe things will kind of be back on their feet enough to to do something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of funny that like this time last year is when all this started, mm. or maybe well, it really got going around in March. But like I remember uh, my friend and I talking and saying like, uh, he's like, surely this will be over in a few weeks or whatever, like a month or two. And then I was like, well, I heard it's going to last until August, and he was like, August? Oh my god, that's so long. There's no <laughs> way it's going to last that long. Mm. And here we are. It's like almost a full year later. Sure. And we're still like I hope it ha- it's over by May, <laughs> but probably won't be. Uh, Kia, did you have anything you're looking forward to in 2021? Well, I'm looking forward to, I think I am looking forward to the Candyman movie when and if it ever gets released. Mm. I'm looking forward to Fear Street, to that coming out. It's like a TV show, right? I think it's a TV movie. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be like a series of movies. Um, I think it would be awesome if it was just a TV show, but I'm looking to that. And I'm not aware of a whole lot of horror books coming out. Um, but there is a book called Survive the Night that takes place in 1991, and it's about there's a serial killer on the loose, and a, a girl t- gets a ride from a hitch. You know, she hitchhikes, and in the car, she starts to think, is this the serial killer? <laughs> and it's by this author named Riley Sager, who I really like. I read all his books. And um, it was especially interesting to me because one of the characters is named Charlie, and that was a character that was... It's named after a Hitchcock character from... I can't remember the name of the movie. We just watched it not that long ago. Um, But anyway, I'm sure I'll talk about it again. But it's called (laughs) Survive the Night by Riley Sager. It's really good if you like thriller books. Really anything by Riley Sager is really good. So, yes. Very cool. Well, thank you, Irish Mark, as always, for asking Uh and staying 
with us. Yeah. So let's give this guy a grade. Nine of the Comet. Kia, kick us off. Where are you giving it? I'm giving it an A+. Plus oh, Lord. Because you asked me before <laughs> we did this podcast with this being like my top 30 movies to recommend to someone who's never watched horror well, before. I have a book that's... Uh, it's called... Fright Films, Fright Films, uh, and it's from TCM, right? And it basically goes through 31 horror movies to curate like a month of Halloween type of thing. So it's basically like what TCM would think, like, oh, these are the must-see movies to kind of make your your Halloween season fun. So it's a fun read and everything. But Keo was like, does that have Night in the Common in it? And I was like, well, no, it's 31 movies, and it's going to have like just the top-tier horror movies. And Keo was like, well, I think it should be in there. You know, you, you thought Night of the Comet was deserved to be a part of it. Well, I, I think for me, if I was going to recommend horror movies to someone who's never seen horror before, I think you kind of have to broaden your horizons because someone who's never seen horror before might have an idea of what that is. And it might be Nightmare on Elm Street. It might be Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It might be all these, the big name movies. And... I think someone who's never seen horror before might not realize that all horror doesn't have to have a crazy monster or a serial killer. It doesn't have to be gory. It doesn't have to be something that you have to cover your eyes. It's going to give you Mm. nightmares. It can be fun. Plus, there's not that many horror movies that I know of where you have great, strong female leads um, that aren't parading around half naked half the time. Mm. Um, yeah, they're definitely not sex no, objects. In there's this movie. no really awkward sex scenes in this movie. There's none of that. It's just it's just a really well done, fun movie. So I think it should be something that a horror person, a horror someone who's never seen horror, I think they would really like that, and it would expand their minds as to how different horror movies can be. It is. You know, we talk a lot about gateway horror. This is a really good gateway horror movie. For, it's gateway for, for horror for yeah, sci-fi, right? Yeah. For uninitiated um, people, for sure. Some giving an A plus. A plus, highest recommendation from yes. Kia. Uh, Jeff, what you giving? B minus. B minus. Fair enough. I, I think I'm in a similar zone. I think I'm going to give it a B plus. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So solid A from the so. half-ass horrorcast yeah. crew because we all, you know, no one mm-hmm. dug it down too much, and you gave it a very high grade, Kia. So, mm-hmm. Night of the Comet, 1984. Check it out. Yes. Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And, and we, we just, just reviewed Night of the Comet. Hey, this is Jason Marsden. I'm here on the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You know what's not half-assed? Uh, Jeff and Craig. They're not half-assed at all. They got all their information here. Appreciate them for having me. Well, Dash, you have anything you want to say? Well, yeah. Yeah, Jason, you can step step aside. See, I, I think uh, I think uh, Jeff and Craig are pretty weird, but you know, I think I'd rather them be weird than dead. Anyone want a uh, a black cow at the world of stuff? Follow me. What's making us scared is a segment in which the half-ass horror cast kids pick something in the horror realm that they recommend to our listeners. Kia, why don't you kick us off with what's making you scared this episode? First, I read, I just got finished reading Spontaneous by Aaron Starmer. Mm. Um, Craig got me that book. It's a movie 
well, it's a book first, and now it's a movie that apparently is really good. It has like a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and I really enjoyed the book. It's basically about these high school students that for some reason spontaneously combust. And let's see, there's a book called The Whisper Man by Alex North. Um, I don't want to give too much away, so can I just name the titles and the author? Sure, sure. <laughs> um, Shoot them off. Let's see, what's another one I liked? Um, and I'll just say, I mentioned this many, like a long time ago, when we did I Am Not a Serial Killer. We did that movie, didn't mm-hmm. we? Yeah, we did. Um, it's, been a, it's been a minute. It's but, been yeah. a while, but I bought all the, or all the books were given to me by Craig and a co-worker as gifts, and I think it's like six or seven. Yeah, it's a big series, yeah. But I read the whole thing just straight, um, and I liked all of them. They were so good, and they really go into more depth and detail, obviously, than just the first movie did. Um, so those are my recommendations. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's like a seven-book series now at this point, right? Six books? I think books. so. I think one book is, is like a, almost a very, very, very short novella. It's mm. like a 3.5. I think that's what it's in the series is 3.5. But um, anyway, so yeah, I'm Not a Serial Killer, The Whisper Man by Alex North. Spontaneous by Aaron Starmer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Several books from Kia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff, what's making you scared? Um, the new Trick or Treat Studios uh, catalog came out this week. Yeah. For 2021. Yeah. There's a lot of new cool stuff in it. Uh, just some some of the, the cool stuff I, I thought I'd mention is there's a, a Halloween 3 Ouija board that yeah (laughs) which when i saw that i was like oh that would have been a cool idea to do for our halloween three art show that we did last year uh but it it looks really cool um and then there's some new universal monster masks including the gill man from the creature walks among us yeah i don't think i've ever seen a, a mask of that version of the creature before I'm sure they exist. I just haven't seen one. Well, uh, and it looks really cool too. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. it's pretty spot on to the the movie. And they even and have they, hands that come with it. Yeah, yeah, the hands look really cool. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's also Werewolf of London, Man Who Laughs, the uh, Mole Man. Uh, let's see. There's there's a Curse of the Werewolf mask that it doesn't have the little new for twenty one next to it, but I don't remember seeing that mask last mm-hmm. year, so. Looks really cool. And yeah, they, some, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, they have a pretty cool hammer horror line where it's, you know, like there are versions of the mummy and Frankenstein and the Wolfman, yeah. like that one. So, For sure. Yeah. And and there's some new Scooby-Doo masks, which I'm I'm actually, <laughs> I'm impressed by how good the Scooby-Doo masks look. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't have thought I would think anything of those, but right. there's like a new Frankenstein and Dracula that are coming out that look really cool. And they even have some uh, vacuum form masks that are coming out. Uh, but I think the big thing yeah. that I know you're most excited about is the the Ghoulies 2 puppets yes. and masks. Yes. I was about to is say that, you're burying the lead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you got to save the best for last. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, when when Craig and I went to Mask Fest a couple years ago, it's like, Probably almost three years at this point. It might be, yeah. yeah. I feel like we got the scoop a long time ago, and we're anticipating it. Yeah, we were talking to Chris. I think it's Zephro is his last name. He's the, he's one of the founders of the 
of Trick or Treat Studios. Uh, he was at a table and we were just chatting with him. And Craig had a Ghoulies T-shirt on, and he was like, "Oh, you like Ghoulies? We got we just got the license for that. We're gonna come out with puppets next year." And, and we were like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" And then so we were just telling everybody like, "Next year, Trick or Treat Studios coming <laughs> yeah. out with all." This I think we mentioned it on the stuff. show. I mean, yeah. on the podcast as well. That you know, like get ready, you know, and yeah. And then they never came out, and we yeah. were like, well, well, now we look <laughs> foolish, you know. And then we ran into him again at the next Mass Fest, and we're like, wait, whatever happened to those ghoulies things? He's like, oh, we just ran out of time. It'll be on the next one, and then didn't come out on that one. Mm-hmm. Now they're here. They're coming out. And the, they look really, really good. I mean, too. they like, look... The sculpts on them are great. Yeah, they look as good as the Gremlin. If you're familiar with Trick or Treat Studios, and they have uh, Gremlin puppets as well, like props, and they look like almost screen-accurate Gremlins and... These ghoulies, it's the cat ghoulie and the uh, the frog or fish ghoulie, depending on uh, which movie. Um, mm-hmm. And they look, I mean, the pictures anyway, they look literally like the ones from the ghoulies too. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah they uh, they look amazing. Um, and I'm not even a huge ghoulies guy, but I'm like, man, those things are really yeah. cool. Like, I <laughs> kind of makes me want one, but... Yeah. The cat, also, the, the cat ghoulie in particular, I think looks r- really well done. Like it looks, yeah. uh, you know, very authentic. Yeah, the fur and everything looks yeah. great. There's also a few other things that are coming out. I thought were kind of cool, like the new Toxic Avenger mask and mm. the uh, the new um, Gizmo puppet. Yeah. Not, I guess it's not a puppet. It's just basically like a plush doll, but it looks like the one from Gremlins Two. Yeah, it's like a little cuter, you know, more of the Rick Baker style. Yeah, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's. If you haven't seen it yet, you can go to, I think it's just go to the Trick or Treat Studios website and you can download the new. Yeah, they have like a PDF, PDF. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, very cool. Uh, Trick or Treat Studios, check it out. Uh, what's making me scared is Godzilla versus Kong. It's uh, got moved up to the end of March. I think it's going to drop March 26th of this year. Mm. And supposedly it's going to be one of those things like Wonder Woman where it gets released in theaters and HBO Max at the same time. So. Whatever you're comfortable with, you can check it out. And the trailer actually dropped today as, uh, as of this recording. And uh, I broke my rules because I told myself I wasn't going to watch the trailer. I wanted to be totally surprised and fresh, but I couldn't help it. It's King Kong, so I checked it out. And for the most part, I'm really, really excited. There's one thing, um, like, I hope that they have it in the movie and they just didn't want to show it in the trailer. But so far in these new Hollywood Godzilla movies, they haven't shown Godzilla very much in the daytime. And he's pretty much never had a daytime fight that's really long. And uh, what they showed us in the trailer is more Godzilla at night. Mm. And, And that's cool. But I just feel like they kind of they're using that to kind of cover up special effects and uh, to make it a little easier. And I, and I totally understand that. But if you're a fan of the old school Godzilla movies, especially the ones from the seventies where he fights other monsters, I mean, that's all in the day. I mean, it was all in a bright studio and very colorful. I and I, I would kind of like to see that a little bit in these new versions. Why would they feel the need to cover up the special effects though? Cause Kong Skull Island was like mostly during the day. I totally agree. I, I like, cause that's just what I've heard is the rationale for always having Godzilla at night. And he's usually, uh, like in water or it's raining like I, and I've heard that as an explanation from special effects people it's like well this kind of helps us conceal you know maybe some of the awkwardness and mm-hmm. some of the animation that you know we're having to steamroll through or whatever um, but I will say that it's directed this new movie uh, Godzilla vs. Kong is directed by Adam Wingard who directed The Guest and You're Next and Blair Witch 
and he's a Tennessee native, so I, I'm rooting for this to be like the best of these Hollywood Godzilla movies. We've uh, liked all his movies. This is the, yeah. the first one, I guess, where it's like mainstream, mainstream, yeah, super, super mainstream big budget. And th- there was a sequence. I, I know I'm giving away stuff, uh, and I'm sorry if you, you wanted to go in totally un, you know, totally fresh, but. There's a sequence where Godzilla is walking through more of a neon lit city, and, and it looked cool. It looked very Adam Wingard. Like I was like, okay, nice. this guy's gonna actually put some of his stamps on this a little bit. So yeah, I'm gonna try to stay away from the trailer, uh, just because I want to be surprised. That is dropping on March 26, so hopefully we'll get a chance to look at it and maybe review it on the podcast because it's one I'm really excited about and been looking forward to for years. So. <laughs> It's Ever kinda, since he was a little baby. Well, he said, when, sure. one day this I, will happen. I do. Real quick, uh, do you guys care who wins? Oh, do you care at fun. all, Jeff? No. You know, nope. Jeff does not care at all. <laughs> do you? I'm, I mean, I really wasn't a Kong Godzilla person until I met you. I mean, I knew who they were, but right. I hadn't seen the movies. I think I'm going to go for Kong just because in Kong Skull Island, it showed that he can exist with people. Mm. It showed that all these other monsters, he removed himself from a very negative situation. He went to an island. Mm. He wanted to have peace. And now these assholes are going to drag him right back into it. He didn't ask for this. You haven't even seen the trailer. You're, you're writing your own movie. I'm assuming this is what's going to happen. <laughs> They're going to drag so. King Kong. Into, <laughs> so yeah. I'm, going, I'm going for Kong. Yeah. He, on Kongsville Island, he lived with those people. They respected him. He didn't mm. mess with them. It's true. He was just, I mean, technically Godzilla definitely did not want to mess with people either or be bothered. But I'm going for Kung. I don't know. Plus, he's like, he's old school. He's like. Oh, yeah, 1933. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's been around a minute. Uh, th- that's the thing is, Jeff, it's a little bit like the Batman versus Superman scenario mm-hmm. where anyone that is an impartial person would go, Superman would destroy Batman. I mean, it would just yeah. be, mm-hmm. it wouldn't even be a fight. It's kind of similar with King Kong versus Godzilla, technically. Godzilla mm-hmm. is invulnerable and has a, an atomic fire breath, a distance <laughs> weapon, and a tail on top of it. Mm-hmm. So Kong would really have to, like, it would have to be Batman style, where he'd have to have a very special situation and weapons or whatever to, like, take him down. Maybe Kong's, or Godzilla's downfall in this new reiteration mm will be the daylight. Ha ha. You never know. Yeah. They haven't really shown him fight during the day. (laughs) Maybe Uh, he has horrible daytime vision. (laughs) In in the sixties version of, uh, it's called King Kong versus Godzilla from 62. Uh, Toho, they gave Godzilla or King Kong a special ability where if he, uh, he could absorb electricity and that like supercharged him and almost was like uh, a star in Mario brothers. Like he, you know, he could, (laughs) he was like super tough for like a, you know, minute or two, they almost would have to do that with this, I feel like, is give Kong some kind of weird advantage to kind of equal it out. Because otherwise, it is kind of stretching it. I mean, because mm-hmm. Kong can be affected by human weapons, uh, usually. It'll probably be like movies. Jason versus Freddy, where one will look dead, and at the end, it'll, like, wink. Oh, right. So, you no, know, it's no like one really it's lost no one's going right? to, yeah. Yeah, we'll, well see. Who do you think? You didn't answer the question. Well, I'm I'm rooting for Kong. I mean, he's oh, yeah. he's the the people's champ. That's he's mm-hmm. like the underdog. So I, <laughs> but I point. totally acknowledge that Godzilla should win by all all standards. And I love Godzilla too. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I mean, when it comes down to those two guys, I got I got to go for Kong. Goliath should have yeah. won, but he didn't. Uh, maybe Kong will have a sling. He'll make <laughs> he'll make some kind of sling and throw a huge boulder. You know, maybe all maybe those people that he lives on the island with will travel with him. 
What would they do against Godzilla? I don't know. They get, they get they'll, distra- they'll distract him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's what's making us scared. <laughs> Jeff, it is your turn oh. to pick our next film. What will it be now? That's right. Um, I, <laughs> I chose the 2011 sci-fi horror Ooh. film. Yes. Attack the Black. Oh, oh wow. wow. It's like the first movie I ever saw John Boyega in, and uh, it's available for free on Tubi and Crackle, but there's uh, commercials, so yeah. if you want to watch it without commercials, <laughs> it's only $2 to rent on Amazon Prime. Nice. Uh, you know, so there's there's ways to to find it and watch it. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be the next episode is Attack the Black. Uh, excellent, excellent choice. So looking forward to it. And thanks for listening, everybody. Stay safe. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at Half-Assed Horrorcast, Facebook at Half-Assed Horror, Twitter at H.A. Horrorcast. And you can send us an email at halfassedhorrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, halfassedhorrorcast.com. Yeah.